welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Good evening, ladies. Oh, it's so good to be here. I have so much fun seeing this dream fulfilled. We met with Shanna and Susan and an afternoon and just spent time talking about what this could look like. And so to see it live and in person is so exciting because, you know, when God gives you a vision, he fulfills it and he brings people around and circumstances together. So he will receive glory. So I'm super glad to be with you tonight. Again, my name is Lori Booker. We're in Lima. Um, I did want to show you the best people in my life real quick just to give you a glimpse. This is my family, um, my precious children, my grandbabies. Uh, You can see to the far right, my daughter-in-law was getting ready to burst, and a week after that photo was taken, baby B was born, but she's not in the picture. So that's where I, uh, my heart is. We do ministry together. And then I've got some of my LFC family here tonight. So thank you for coming. How special is that? Valentine's Day is what we're doing tonight. So that made me think of, you know, my first kiss. <laughs> Do you guys remember your first kiss? You remember it? Some of you haven't even had your first kiss. There are some littles in the room tonight. You just hold on and you wait, 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 all right? All right? My question to you, was your first kiss a foot popper? Was it a foot popper? When my daughter Lily, who is with me tonight, uh, was young, we talked a lot about love and marriage and dating, and we even talked about kissing, and I would explain to her how very, very special her kisses were. And there's a fantastic book, moms, if you haven't heard it, it's called The The Princess Kiss. And it's all about how this young princess saved her kiss. So if you're raising a young one, get it. It's so good. And I also have to give a shout out to Princess Diaries. Anybody? Come on. We are like my early 2000s girls. You know, shout out to Princess Diaries who helped me convince my daughter that her first kiss should be nothing less than a foot popper. (laughs) I never forget when my husband... uh, was going in for our first kiss. He was dropping me off at my dorm at Central Bible College, and he leaned in just right, and my heart was beating, and I tipped my chin up enough, and that stinker kissed me on the nose. (laughs) I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed. And on the serious side of things, I remember when my dad kissed my mother goodbye on her deathbed. Kisses are important. Kisses are special. There's just something about a kiss. Princess Alice was Queen Victoria's daughter, and when her son contracted an incurable disease called black diphtheria, it's as bad as it sounds, he was quarantined. And his mother was 
royalty, and so they said, you can't be around him, you can't be near him, you're going to have to stay away from him, but, but she couldn't, and so she would sneak to the room where they were keeping him and just peek, peek inside the window just to get a glimpse of her little guy, and one day she overheard her son whisper to the nurse, how come my mommy doesn't come and kiss me goodnight anymore, and that's all it took. She barged right into that room and grabbed her little boy, and she smothered his face with kisses, kisses upon kisses. And within a few days, she died. She died and was buried. What would compel a mother to risk her life, her reputation, her assignment for her child? Love. Love. Kisses are special. The Gospels only record Jesus being kissed on two occasions. On two occasions. The first, of course, we know, not the first, but one was Judas's kiss. How many of you know? I can't see you very well, but how many of you know who Judas is? Does anybody not know who Judas, Judas, Judas is? He's a bad guy. He was a bad guy in the story of a true account of what happened. But he kissed Jesus, which led to his betrayal. And he destroyed, really, himself. Judas's allegiance to Jesus was just pretend. It was a facade, a lie on the lips of a false friend. But there was another kiss. There was another kiss, and that's the kiss we're going to talk about tonight. Luke 7, 36 and 38 is where we're going to plop down in the word this evening. It should be on the screen. You can read it with me. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you tonight with a heart full of thanksgiving. We just sang to you how grateful we are for your faithfulness. And so, Lord, in advance, I say thank you for your faithfulness to your word. I pray, Lord, that you'll open up our hearts to receive what you would have for us tonight. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. So we're talking about a sinful woman, a woman of the streets, a woman of the night. She was a prostitute. And now right away, we might turn our nose up at this woman or shake our head in disgust or get frustrated with who she is. But as I was praying and I was studying for this message, the thought came to me, she probably didn't wake up as a little girl and say, when I grow up, I want to be a prostitute. I don't think I've ever heard a little girl say anything like that. They want to be Elsa. They want to be a nurse. They want to be on American Idol. But I really doubt in my heart that she woke up one morning and said, that's what I want to be when I grow up. You see, in Bible times, becoming a prostitute was set in motion by circumstances often beyond a girl's control. 
She could have been sold into prostitution by her father for his financial gain. Her husband could have died and there were no other means for her to support herself. She could have been sold by her father as a temple prostitute, which was actually thought of to be an honorable occupation. We're not real sure how she became a prostitute, but I would dare say it wasn't by her own choice. All right? I'll never forget one night, um, back when we had Wednesday night church services regularly, like all the time. Remember there was missionettes and royal rangers? Maybe I'll still do that here. But this was a Wednesday night several, several years back, and we were closing up shop, heading out for the night, and a woman met us in the parking lot of the church. We'd never seen her before. We had never met her. And she said, my name is Rachel. Can I talk to you? And we said, of course. Of course, we'd be glad to talk to you. And she began to tell us her story, where she came from a broken family, a poverty-stricken family, a lot of abuse and pain in her upbringing. And so eventually she became a dancer at a, they call it a gentleman's club. I don't know if that, anybody, I don't know if that works out for me, but that's what they call those places. Anyway, that's where she worked. And she had become so bitter, she literally hated men. Hated them. I can understand why she hated men. It ended up that she turned to another woman who was also a dancer with a very sad story. And she entered into a lesbian relationship with her, but she was not a lesbian. She was confused. She was hurt. She was disappointed. She was bitter. She had hatred. But an old friend showed up in her life, and he was a mess. This guy was a mess. But together, they began to find their way towards God. They worked through some stuff, and there were some ups and downs and setbacks and trip-ups. But they showed up. They started showing up to church. They started showing up on Sunday mornings and Sunday night prayer times and Wednesday nights. And I'll never forget the morning that her husband made, now husband, made his way from the back of the sanctuary to what we call an old-fashioned altar and gave his life to Jesus. And that's been now probably about 12 years ago. And they're living for the Lord. They're raising children. It's such a powerful story of redemption. Because there is a difference, ladies, between the reality of who you are, what happened to you, and the person you could be in Christ. Because God stands in the gap. He makes a way. So tonight I might ask you, what pain have you suffered What battles have you fought? What have you been dealing with? What kind of hell have you been going through? Have you been depressed in a state of darkness or discouragement, maybe disillusioned? God will not waste your pain. He's not going to waste it. It takes faith. It takes moving out. But you must believe that God isn't going to waste your pain. And Jesus says if you were abused, if you were hurt, if you've gone through something horrible, 
if you were abandoned, if you've been through hell, your marriage, your situation does not have to suffer because of your shame. Your children don't have to wander aimlessly because of your grief. Your future is not condemned because of your past. Because if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then those things are under the blood of Jesus. They're under the mercy of God. And if you haven't, I say to you that today is the day of salvation, and he is here in this place, and he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you just like he was waiting for the woman at the Pharisee's house. This woman heard that Jesus was having dinner at the home of a Pharisee named Simon, and she wanted to see him. You see, there was kind of this buzz going around town about Jesus. News had spread that he had, he had healed the centurion's daughter and that he had raised from the dead the son of a wid widow in the city of Nain. And that's pretty cool stuff, right? I think I would want to see him as well. I don't want to see what was going on. He was gaining this reputation. And this woman, this prostitute who was full of secrets and full of shame, she uh, literally made a way to see Jesus because she had lived in such darkness that she believed if she should, could just get into the light of him that something would happen. She just needed to get to Jesus. Can you picture it with me? There's a room full of people, maybe like this tonight, and Jesus is reclining at a table. He might have been propped up on an elbow with his legs coming out the side, casually engaging in conversation with those around him. And this woman shows up, this uninvited guest. I mean, sometimes I wonder if that happened in our churches today, if they'd call security, right? Like, I'll be on the lookout. There's an uninvited guest. But she was there, and she was determined to see Jesus, and she begins to move through the crowd, she thinks, if I can just get to Jesus, can you imagine the stink eye she was getting? I mean, the once over. Like, she might have been dressed and probably was dressed to the nines. Can you imagine those jealous women in their plain old brown outfits with her head all wrapped up? With they're looking at this beautiful woman coming in with jewels and probably purple and golds. And they were giving her the stink eye. I have no doubt about that. But she didn't care. She didn't care. She was so full of the guilt and the shame. She was bound up by her occupation and her reputation that it took all of her concentration just to keep one foot moving in front of the other. You see, there were many people at that house that night, at Simon's house, and they were interested to see this man Jesus because they wanted to know, is he really a prophet? They were there checking him out to see if he was really a prophet. But this woman, this woman, she seems to have been fully persuaded that he was not only the great prophet, but he was the promised Messiah, the savior of sinners. He was the hope to her hopelessness. And once she got into his presence, once she got close by him, everything that was bottled up in her came spilling out. 
It came out through her tears, so many tears. Verse 38 says, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and his feet were dirty, and his feet were dusty, because later on in this passage, Jesus asked Simon, his host, he says to him, you didn't even give me water to wash my feet. And so we know that then Jesus' feet, he just didn't come from a mani-pedi. Things were rough. Things were bad. But it didn't matter to her. Actually, it didn't even phase her. Because then the Bible says that she wiped them with her hair and she kissed them. She kissed them. Isaiah 52, 7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings and proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. You see, Jesus showed up that night with good news for this woman. He showed up to give her peace for her turmoil, good tidings and happiness and salvation. That's why he was there tonight. And so that kiss, when she came down to his feet and kissed them, it was full of gratitude. It was a kiss of profound thankfulness and indebtedness. It is a kiss that expressed a life change changed by the one whom she was kissing. It was a kiss that was saying, I owe you my life. It is a kiss. It was a kiss reserved for her Savior. And just as a picture can be worth a thousand words, so also Mary, that was her name, her actions speak volumes. She doesn't just kiss his feet once. The Bible says that she kissed his feet over and over and over again. She wet his feet with her tears and wipes them with her hair and then kisses them repeatedly. And then she pours perfume on them. We know that according to Scripture, that the perfume in that alabaster jar or that alabaster box was worth a year's wages. So imagine that. In 2024, girl is walking around with about a 22 grand bottle of perfume. That's a lot of money for some perfume, for something to smell good. And the jar itself was probably made out of gemstones and was most likely a family heirloom. It might even have been her dowry. She probably treasured it and held on to it just in case someone could love her enough to marry her. Plain and simple, it was her most prized possession. It's what she had. It's what she had. Interestingly enough, the perfume used in her profession as a prostitute 
became the token of her profession of faith when she poured it out at Jesus' feet. Ladies, we often act as though our sin disqualifies us from the grace of God, but in actuality, it is the only thing that qualifies us. I'm going to say that again because y'all are too quiet. And I can't see you, and I'm leaving after I speak tonight. And so I want you to respond and hear what I am saying. We think our sin disqualifies us from the grace of God, but in actuality, it's the only thing that qualifies us. I might be the most qualified person here for the grace of God. How about you? We've got stuff in our lives. We've got history. We've got bad habits. We've got hurts. We've got hang-ups and things that, that need the grace of God to minister to and there comes a moment when you've got to come clean with him there comes a moment when you need to unveil your secrets and your struggles and your sins there's a moment when you need to fall on the full weight of his grace that's what she did that's what she did the sinful woman poured it all out every tear Every wipe of her hair, every kiss that she gave. Some of you are here, and you've got some things bottled up inside of you. Maybe you're in a constant struggle with your spouse. Maybe you find yourself constantly comparing yourselves to others. Am I enough? Is this all there is? Do I even have a purpose? Some of you say, I, I just can't help overthinking everything. I'm just existing. It's everything I can do to put one foot in front of the other. It's all inside and it's all bottled up. But ladies, give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus. He's here waiting for you. Do you have one ounce of praise? Do you have one ounce of worship? Do you have one more song that you can sing? Do you have one more prayer that you can pray? Take it to the feet of Jesus and pour it out on him. Pour out your heart. Confess your failings, your shortcomings. Humble yourself and receive his forgiveness. She found a way past her past. And she made her way to Jesus, the one that she knew could save her. And she gave her whole heart to him that night. She worshiped him. And Jesus, he forgave her sins. He forgave her sins and he told her to go in peace. A moment with Jesus the torment it was gone she walked out of the dark shadow of sin into the light of the world and she was right Jesus is worthy of it all all that she had he was the only one worthy I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes 
because I know that maybe in a room this big, there are some of you here tonight that say, I am desperate. I'm desperate. I need a savior. I don't need a good word. I don't need a good vibe. I don't need a pat on the back. I am in desperate need of someone to come in and save me, to save my soul, to save my situation. And this woman was so desperate that she crashed a party. And Jesus responded because Jesus responds to desperate people. So if you're here tonight desperate, you're in good company. You came to the right place. I love what Isaiah 61, seven says. It says, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, He's waiting. Or maybe you're here tonight and you've known Jesus, but you've walked away from Him. It's been a minute since you've been in right relationship with Him. You too are in need of a if that's you tonight, would you raise your hand? There's nobody looking around, just me. And I can barely see you, so <laughs> we know that Jesus can. Is there anyone here tonight that says, I need a Savior? I want Jesus to be Lord of my life and to come in and rule and reign and forgive and set me free and give me peace and everlasting joy. Is that anyone here tonight? Just wait one more minute. We never, ever want to miss these opportunities, do we? All right, ladies. Well, assuming we're all believers in this place, I'm going to ask you to respond to the Word of God. You might be here and people who should have loved you didn't. People who could have loved you wouldn't. Maybe you were left at a hospital. Maybe you were left standing at an altar. Maybe you were left with an empty bed and a broken heart. And you've been left with a question that says, does anybody love me? Am I worthy of any kind of love? And Christ, he unequivocally says, I do. I do. The truth is, according to Ephesians, the love that Jesus has for you can't even be measured. It's so great and wonderful. And if that's you tonight, I'm going to ask you to stand. Would you stand in response to the word? And as this woman is lavishing her love upon Jesus because she's been forgiven so much, but sometimes we forget that, don't we? We forget about how much we've been forgiven of. And sometimes we find ourselves thinking like that Pharisee, thinking like Simon, comparing our 
ourselves to others. And it's amazing how stingy we can be with our grace. In reality, we're indebted to that grace. You might be here tonight just needing a refreshing, a reminder of how much you've been forgiven. You've taken it for granted, and you don't want to walk that way anymore. You want to come to the Savior with everything that you have. Would you humble yourself and receive His grace tonight? Would you stand if that's you? Lastly, the kiss of the sinful woman, or we'll call her now the forgiven woman. That's the sort of kiss that Jesus wants. Ladies, it's really the only kiss fit for the true king. Any of us can kiss the Lord the way Judas did. Any of us could. But this woman in Simon's house, she recognized that Jesus had mercy that he offered to sinners like her. She couldn't help but kiss him in response. And so tonight, you're grateful and you realize how much Jesus has done for you and how much love he has given you. Your only response is to kiss the king. So I'm going to ask you to stand as well. And I'm going to ask you to go ahead and kiss him with your prayers. Kiss him with your praise. Kiss him with your worship. Kiss him with your tears. Ladies, tonight we are going to kiss the King. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.